right. Well, welcome to the All In Podcast. I'm Tim Aiken, uh, Senior Pastor here at First Baptist Douglasville, and joined again back on the podcast today with our Executive Pastor, Pastor David White. David, welcome back. Thank you. Glad that you, uh, glad that you returned. Yeah. Glad to have, have David back with us. And today we're going to conclude our conversation about finances. In the coming episodes, we're going to be talking about going all in with Jesus, His church, and His mission when it comes to the idea of theology. But today, we're going to finish our conversation on finances. And what David and I are going to do is we're going to do the very best that we can to provide some simple, easy, and practical steps for you to follow when it comes to managing your money in such a way that you can also be a generous and faithful, consistent, and cheerful giver to the Lord uh, through his church. And so what I want to do to get us started, I want to pick back up with something that David talked briefly about at the end of our podcast last week. And David, what you talked about was the idea of living with margin. That was the word that you used, living with margin. So can you kind of pick back up that conversation and begin talking more about what you mean by living with margin? Yeah, so as we were talking, you know, one of the things that was occurring to me was that a lot of people are stressed financially because they don't have margin in their budget to account for the unexpected. And as an actuary, I will tell you that you need to plan for the unexpected. Okay. So people, so in your mind, most people are they're living they're living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Okay. With very right. little extra at the end. Uh, right. So yeah. so you know statistics have shown that roughly half the marriages will end in divorce. Eighty percent of those that divorce, it's due to some kind of money problem. Okay. Coming back there, at least is a. As a core component of it, and so yeah, and I've always been told that the number one reason for divorce wasn't in laws, it wasn't children, it, it was it was financial. Yeah. So the idea really is that um, margin gives you the ability to uh, de-stress. You know, you remember the uh, you know the old um, uh, rental car ads with O.J. Simpson mm-hmm. racing through the airport. Yep. You know, I want to time my arrival at the airport so I can walk comfortably to the gate and then get on the plane. Right. I don't want to waste time there, but I don't want to be hurtling people when I'm going through there. <laughs> right, right. And so I allow for margin yep. when I go places yep. just to allow for, you know, for that kind of stuff. We, we need to think about that really financially as right. well. And part of this is really coming from, you know, one of the other things we spoke of last week was, you know, this idea, it's it's... You know, if we truly believe that God owns everything and then we're stewards, then it's not a, you know, I'll give 10% and then I live on the 90%. Basically, this idea of stewardship brings a really interesting concept where you as a steward of God's possessions decide your own salary. Now, that would never be done in business, right? (laughs) Right. But but that's basically what he's asked us to do. And you, you can't do that effectively if you're living on the edge. M- many people, you know, are probably three to six weeks mm-hmm. from bankruptcy. If they didn't have income mm-hmm. for that length of time, they couldn't they couldn't make it. That's no margin. Sure. And, sure. and that causes stress. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and it'd be my experience, you know, you know, personally and then in meeting and counseling many people through the years in ministry, that yeah, that's a common 
way that many people live is they live paycheck to paycheck. Perhaps many of you that are listening today, you live you live paycheck to paycheck for for maybe a number of of different reasons, and you find yourself having more more month at the end of the money, right? And and it's just always challenging. And that last week before you get paid, you're eating rice and beans and mm. and things of that yeah. nature. So we're trying to help think. Okay, h- how does that not happen? So all right, I, I would agree, hundred percent. You should live with margin. So what would you tell our listeners and those that are watching? They agree with you. All right, David, I want to live with margin, but currently I am not. Okay, what are some simple, practical steps they can begin to take? What should they do to try to begin to get to a place of margin in their life? Right, so there's there's really three things that you can, that you can work through. You know, one is the expenses that you incur month to month. The second would be the income that you bring in. And the third would be, you know, any kind of uh, possessions that you own that can be uh, repurposed, uh, sold, or in somehow, you know, reorganized. And I think that if you look at that, you know, one of the easiest things to do is to look at areas to cut spending in. And, you know, every year we'll look at something a little bit different. Um, but it helps to look at both the big expenses like, you know, insurance payments that you have uh, as well as uh, the little things. One of the things that we're doing this year is our bank has part of its new um, offering is the ability to tell you subscription services that you have, mm. you know, whether it's, you know, streaming services or whatever you've got. They'll give you um, a listing of all of your subscription services. Eighty-five mm. percent of the people leave them alone and, and still don't use them. Right. So you can cut those. Yeah. You can you can cut other uh, larger expenses. From an income standpoint, you know you can look at um, you know different options in today's gig economy mm-hmm. to to look at that. But a lot of it is really coming around to. Um, in some cases, you need to unwind or back out of commitments that you've made long ago. Mm. So if you're if you're struggling with a debt burden, you've got to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that would help you get margin is to eliminate debt. That would give you an automatic margin um, in there. Um, another thing, if you're looking at both expenses and income, is you'll need to kind of rebudget every time you make some changes mm-hmm. so that you know you know where things are. Now, um, early in our marriage, I did all of our budgets, um, you know, in detail. Mm-hmm. Um, it works far better for us now if I keep it in my head and then talk, <laughs> and then talk, with, talk yeah. with Debbie about it. Just tell it, her what she needs to, to know. Yeah. 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 Uh, if, I, if I try to tell her what I know, right. it, doesn't, it doesn't work very yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. So... So, but we've got a good, a good, um, a good way to cooperate as a married couple to kind of handle that. But I've taken on the burden of knowing where we are financially, yeah. and so at this point, what we're doing is figuring out ways that, um, you know, that that we can uh, do better to create more margin for us. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I, several follow-ups there. Okay, a couple of be comments, and then maybe some some follow-up questions for you. So, I think one thing that you're saying. That's this very important to catch. It's very simple, but it's important. And maybe many of you do this 
I don't know that everybody does this. One thing that you're talking about is a constant money management. So you don't set the budget one time and just look at it annually or whatever. You're constantly managing your money, perhaps on a weekly basis, right? As as things come in your life, as you make more right. money or you get rid of debt or whatever you do, you're constantly tweaking and adjusting the budget as you need, just like you would running a church, running a school, running a business, anything like that. You do the same thing in your in your home. Um, and then when it comes down to the idea of limiting your expenses, okay, one of the things that my family and I have done, and we're very basic and simple, but we recently refinanced our home and saved hundreds on on monthly mortgage, right? That really created some significant margin. When we were first married for the first about six or seven years of our marriage, we had one vehicle. And now I happen to work nearby, live nearby where we work, so I was able to, to walk there and things of that nature. But we had one car, right? So it limited expenses and things of that nature. We are sticklers. Every time we get a chance, we look at the cable bill and just simple ways to try to limit those expenses. And then my, my dad, you know, we were growing up, my dad didn't make a whole lot of money at his main job, and so he found ways to bring in other income for our family. He was in ministry. So for him, that was preaching most weekends. That was uh, most uh, nights I can remember in middle and high school. He was down in our basement and he was in our basement writing Bible study curriculums for Lifeway Christian Resources. Many of you probably use those. That's really how he kind of paid our way through private school and things of that nature. And he found ways to find extra income uh, uh, for our family. So lots of things. Right. There's all kinds of things that you can do if you just kind of, you know, look at it from that standpoint, another simple thing is, you know, if you get bonuses or unexpected income, then you put that into your savings okay. as opposed to spending it. Okay. You know, because, again, if we're looking at trying to create margin, you know, having um, an emergency savings uh, really helps with that. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me ask one question you already kind of brought up. I think this is a question that many people wrestle through. So let's say you have debt. All right, whether it's mortgage debt, college loans, hospital bills, credit card, whatever it is, you you have some type of debt that you that you are having to pay on. What is your view of giving to the church, right? So tithing, giving to the church, while at the same time having debt. Do you do both simultaneously? Do you try to pay the debt off first, then you begin to give? Do you give and not pay off the debt? What, what is your particular view? And it may not be a common view, but what is your view? How would you counsel somebody to think through that? I'm sure we have people that are in that position. So what would be your advice? So um, so my view, it may not be very common. Um, I don't know, but I feel like that um, the most important thing, you know, in managing your finances is to being right with the Lord. Okay. And so I believe that um, if we look at the way that giving is taught in both the Old and New Testament, you know, you can kind of get to, uh, and you hear a lot today about, uh, you know, we're under grace, and mm-hmm. so we give under grace. The problem is that the numbers show that people who give under grace are giving one-fourth to one-fifth right. what they should be giving. Right. And how can grace that has been so freely given to us mm-hmm be anything less than the 10% tithe mm-hmm. under law. Yeah. And so the first thing that I think you need to do is to uh, is to uh, commit to the tithe, and then I think you need to be aggressive in paying off your debt. 
And the reason is that debt is an obligation, but it also it, it, it severely limits your options. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of our commitments, and we make a number of commitments every year, but one of our commitments this this year, and it has been for a number of years, is, you know, to stay debt-free mm-hmm. and to take on nothing because that would reduce your options. Yep. You know, if your debt service as a part of your income is, you know, too large, then it just hampers everything yeah. else. Yeah. So, th- so, so I would go first with your giving, you know, with your heart right, yep. you know, before the Lord, and then, and then coming back. One of the things that really hit me um, this year, you know, it's a verse in Scripture. I get I get teased frequently for not marking in my Bible, <laughs> but I would I would say that. You learn a lot by looking at what is not marked mm. in your Bible mm. than what is. Yeah. And so one of the verses that I had passed over a number of times, but I think is really important today, is a verse from Hosea 13.6. So God is speaking through the prophet Hosea, mm. and he says, When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. Mm. And, you know, I really don't want that. Mm. To be, you know, a legacy. Mm. Uh, you know, God blessed them, then they got proud, mm-hmm. then they forgot me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, but that was that was the message of Hosea. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh man, uh, one thing I really love that you said that you're hitting at there again. Always bringing this idea of money back to the heart issue, mm-hmm. and you got to the gospel. I mean, you talked about. You know, why would we, when, when God has lavished, and that word is used in the scriptures, right? This idea of overwhelming us with his grace. He didn't just give us the bare minimum. He overwhelmed us with his grace. Well, because God has done that for us, why would we then limit our response and love back to him with the bare minimum? You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. And so if our heart is in the right place, and if Jesus truly is enough for us, then instead of buying uh, the car that's going to really make it hard to pay the bills, we might buy one a little bit more basic. If you ever wonder like why I drive the cars I buy, it's because it was the nicest car I could afford and still pay my bills and live with margin. It really is that simple for me. I, I don't go to the shop or to the dealership with a car in mind. I go with a price in mind, and then mm-hmm. I find the car that, that fits it. You know, And so things like that, because hopefully your heart – is in the right place saying, no, Jesus is enough. I don't I don't have to drive the really fancy car. Jesus is enough for me. There's all sorts of ways like that in our lives that we've got to think about. So one of the things that comes up there that, again, is a heart issue is this idea that we've, you know, kind of uh, put into colloquial terms of keeping up with the Jones. Oh. Okay, so oh. I think you need to make a commitment to pay no attention to the Jones <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because they're probably hurting. Right. They're probably empty inside and crying inside. Yep. You, you do not need to pay attention to the Jones. Sure. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so you keep your heart really uh, guarded yep. and and remember that if God blesses you, it's not for you to enjoy. Right. You know, Paul teaches, you know, that that we're blessed so that we can give more. Yep. And that, that really kind of has to be your focus there. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. I think we all have to be willing to make sacrifices. You know, sometimes people will kind of make a joke and they'll say, oh, so Pastor Tim, your wife stays home. She's a homemaker. Yeah. And they'll say, well, you must, you must make really good, you must make really good money. Well, the church takes very good care of me. We don't have any complaints. Uh, but we obviously could make 
more money if we wanted to if Anna went to work. But we we choose, and we that's not for everybody. That's how we choose to live our life. And with that, there are sacrifices that you have to make. That means that we go without certain things that other families might have because we have one stream of income. And that's okay for us. And that's the decision that we have made. And so we've got to learn to be content with what God has given to us, allow that to be enough, and then we'll begin to to, to understand this idea of of generosity. You know, and this idea of being um, intentional and content with kind of where you are, uh, that goes to any purchase that you would make. I would I would say that um, if you have an urge for an impulse purchase, you know, sit on it. For Resist it. <laughs> because, because they almost never satisfy yeah. the way that, that you think they will. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Very good. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep us moving uh, for sake of time. And so there's a small and, and simple resource. This is it right here. We've, we've tried to put it on the show notes. We have this uh, at our church. This is a, a simple resource that I have used uh, at several other churches that I have served as. a really good resource to help people think through helpful money management that can then lead toward generous giving, how to live with uh, margin. And it's so simple that anybody can do it. So David and I are very different in a number of ways, okay, which is a, a really good thing. But David has a degree in mathematics, I can't even do long division. Don't even know how I got through school and 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 all of that. I wonder sometimes too. Yeah, you, 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 I have a calculator now on my phone. That 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 does that does help. David has extensive experience in business. I've been in you know full time vocational ministry my entire professional career. But the beauty of this plan is that it works for anybody, and it's very simple and and very basic. So if you don't have a lot of money and financial uh, experience and, and knowledge, you can still follow something like this and have the margin that you need. So I'm going to walk us through it very quickly. I'm going to let David kind of kick it off, and then we'll we'll move through this, uh, this little tool. And so we start with what is your income? What's your total income that you're bringing in? So David, help us think through total income. How, how, do, how do you, and again, it might be different than some, but how do you get to that final number of, okay, this is what my income is? Is so so. This is an area, another area that may be a little bit controversial because mm-hmm. I believe that the Bible teaches that we give on our increase. Okay, and so um, what you may find as income uh, needs to be considered as you know what has God um, increased for you. You know, and the examples that they give are you know increase in you know, their uh, grain production or their vineyards or whatever. And so for me, it's kind of a... Yeah, I mean, it was an agricultural context exactly, in the Bible, right? So exactly. it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily salary or health insurance. It was animals, land, right. grain, That's what produce. they dealt yeah. with. That's right. what they dealt with. Right. And so so for me, the total income is, it really is everything all in. Okay. Um, and so when I would start thinking about that, you know, you recognize that, you know, your employer may provide for certain benefits, but you need to be thinking about it, you know, before those are provided, because that to me is what, what God has given you, you know, as the increase there. And so the rule that we've kind of followed uh, for a long time is, you know, if it gets taxed, it gets tithed. Okay. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of a, but it, but you may be in a different position that that may not be your best rule, Sure. you know, sure. so... So look at what the increase has been, and then your 
developing your tithe percentage or your giving percentage on top of that. And then follow-up question, what, what is your thought? Okay, listen, if we just take what most people think of income is typically what do I get in my bank account, right? How do I get paid? And I know people get paid different ways. Some people get paid a check. Some people get bonuses. There's all sorts of ways that you get compensated for your job. A lot of people think of it just kind of in those terms. If we're thinking about that just for a minute, in your mind, do you give off of what I get paid prior to taxes or what I get paid after taxes? What is your view? It's before. Okay. I mean, because because the the increase was before the government got its share, not after the government got its share. So Correct. one of the things that we're looking at this year, just based on our own position, is you know, what can we do to be uh, more effective um, after tax mm-hmm. um, amounts that we have? Yep. Because we feel like that if we can save on taxes, that's extra margin that we can be giving off of sure. as sure. well. And so, I still look at the I still look at the top line, yep. and my number might be higher than what most people would view as their own number. But right. to me, you start with what God has given you. Right. Right. Um, to kind of go from there. And there's that one y'all to hear that is one, to hear different perspectives. Okay, that is a different perspective. Uh, one that's been very convicting to me. One that's been very helpful to me. It's not necessarily been something that I have practiced, but something that we are beginning to think through and talk about in our home. And what I love about it for, for David is, is that he is constantly trying to make sure that again it's coming back to the issue of the heart. And you may not agree with it. You may go, man, that's that's crazy. No way I'm gonna do that. Okay. We're not saying you have to, but I wanted you to, to hear that, to understand a perspective of how we should view what God has blessed us and given right. to us. We, if we're constantly thinking about, hey, what's the lowest number that I have to begin to take the 10% from, that's a problem. That, yeah. that, that, that's a hard right. issue that you need to begin to think through in order to make sure that you are coming at it with the right perspective. Right, and th- this, this was an example from... Uh, Early in our marriage, we hadn't been married very long, and you know, Debbie made a comment. Oh, it is so good uh, that we're tithing. And what she was looking at was what was going in the bank and what we were giving to church. Mm-hmm. But being the mathematician, I said, "Well, technically, that's not that's not ten percent." And she said, "Oh," and I could just see the disappointment in her face. Yeah, because you know, in our you know, in our early years. Um, you know, I didn't want to disappoint, mm. but I could see that if she said, "Are we giving ten percent?" and I think is ten percent of the gross, then you know we're not there yet. Right. And so we we got there very quick, but it was a it was a convicting sure. part for me as well. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, move to the next one. So you put your income in, uh, whatever that is, however you count that, and uh, then the next piece. So first thing you think about, okay, is this is the amount of money that we are going to give, give to the to, to, to the things of the Lord, to gospel-needed things is the first thing you would begin to think about. So obviously it's much easier when you first get married and you're starting off with a new budget. It's a little bit more difficult when you've got to go back and tweak it, right? But this is the first thing that you begin to think about is, okay, what's our giving plan? What are we going to give to and how much are we going to, get to, are we going to give? So David, I'll just jump to a question uh, for sake of time. If someone is not giving anything, they're not giving to their church, they're not giving to other gospel-centered needs. How do they begin to give, or what's a good place to start? What's a good goal to have in mind to at least begin? You may go, well, start right at 10%, and they may go, bro, you're going to break the bank. Okay, so how do they, what What are some good thoughts? 
Well, let me, uh, let me turn that question back around a little okay. bit and give you an example. All right. uh, let's suppose that there was uh, somebody who, who was robbing the bank every month. So robbed the bank 12 times last year. Okay. Um, but he wants to do better, and he's only going to rob six times this year. You know, would that be, would that be good enough? <laughs> no, I don't think I have to answer no. that. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. And so, so think about, you know, what, what God has given us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may be difficult. It may be virtually impossible. But I believe that God will bless you when you follow in the principles that he gives. And okay. so my answer would be find a way to work it so that it's 10%. Yeah. Because... Uh, almost, now, real fast, if you get offended and said, they told me on the podcast that I'm robbing God. David told you that? It wasn't coming from me. But, it, and it came but, from Malachi. But I agree with him. But, yeah. <laughs> but he said, yeah. 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 This was not original. Right, me. right. Yeah, blame the, blame the Bible. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right, but I think, I think that um, the moment that you start trying to negotiate, it almost kind of feels like, who are we to negotiate yeah. with God? That yeah. it would be less than what he wants. And so my view is that, um, that we should be looking for ways to increase. So if you've already been giving, then the first thing I would look for here is, can we do better than last year? Sure. You know, and maybe we can, yeah. maybe we can't. Yeah. Um, but but that would be that would be a good a good question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And again, kind of going back to this idea of constantly evaluating, constantly looking at it, constantly asking those questions. So we would say, look, you have your income. First first item, how much am I going to give? Second item would be. How much am I going to save? And again, uh, we'll, for sake of time, we'll kind of move past this one. Typically, the rule is at least beginning 10, 10%, 10%, right? So 10% minimum I give away, 10% minimum I save. Save that for a rainy day, save that for college funds, save that, whatever. There's all sorts of things we can talk about with savings, but you save that. And then the last item is, okay, so then what is left? What am I going to live on? And I think Dave and I both would agree you really shouldn't live on any more than 80%, and you may live on less. If you decide to give away more than 10% or you save more than 10% or whatever, obviously that's going to take that number down even lower. But we would say that you want to begin to get to a point where you're living on 80% or less of your income. And this begins to allow you to live with margin, allows you to manage your money well, so that, again, as you're checking your heart you can then be a generous giver and also be wise financially, saving money for the things that you need to save it for in the future uh, in your uh, in your life. And so there's all sorts of other things we could say with that, but, uh, but essentially uh, trying to begin to think through, how do I get to that place of margin? And again, the motivation behind it is God was so rich with his love for me. God was so overwhelming. My only response is to give overwhelmingly back to him. Because of what he's done for me, I have no other response than to give back to the Lord. So I pray that this has been helpful uh, stuff for you guys as we've been talking through this. As we wrap up with David as our guest today, I want to end with a two-minute drill. I'm going to go through, it's not going to be about finances, some rapid-fire things just to get to know Pastor David a little bit better. He is a fantastic guy. His wife, Debbie, is even better than him. But I want you guys to get to know him a little bit. So, David, we're going to go real quick. You just answer best that you can. Some of these are going to be fairly easy early, all right? What is your wife's name? Uh, Deborah White. All right. How long have y'all been married? 36 years. Okay. How many children do y'all have, and what are their names? Two, Ben and Andrew. And their ages? 
Uh, ben is 30. Andrew is 27. Are they married, single? Bo- both are married. Any grandchildren yet? No, not yet. Not yet. How many do you want to have? Uh, well, we, <laughs> we have left that undefined. Okay. <laughs> we'll be grateful for what we have. Okay, very good. All right, if you and Debbie could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? So one place we haven't been is um, is spending time out west. Okay. So the Rockies or Canadian Rockies. Yeah. Would, would you drive it, fly it? We would drive it. You'd drive it. Okay. Right. So just take a long, long trip. Right. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite movie? And if you don't agree with it, don't email us. It's all right. Okay. What's your favorite movie? Well, I've got a, I've got a class of favorites. Okay. Uh, that are generally um, action with a little bit of comedy. Okay. So I do like one of your favorites, which is Princess Bride. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I'm also a fan of the Mission Impossible and Bourne movies. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. Very, very good. Uh, James Bond? I love it. Yeah. Like uh, James Bond. Too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah. Can you tell us at least one actuary joke? <laughs> All right. So, yes, most of them are not and good. Keep it clean. Debbie okay. told me to, to stop telling them okay. uh, a long time ago. But you know the difference in um, an introverted actuary and an extroverted actuary? <laughs> no. The extroverted actuary looks at your shoes when he talks. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to use that one. That is a very good That was clean. Thank yeah. you. Uh, all right. Spiritual again. Favorite Bible verse? Uh, you know, it's, I, it's John 3.16. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, favorite book of the Bible? Um, I like John. I like Romans. Okay. Um, but I, I learn from everything. Okay. So. Two last questions. Do you have a fi- favorite Bible hero? You can't say Jesus, but there's somebody, uh, somebody other than Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like David. David. Okay. Yeah, flawed Great. man, but uh, but he he gets right. Yeah, he's one of my top two. David's my Old Testament guy. Matthew actually is my New Testament guy. So, all right. Last question. Serious question. What do you want your legacy to be when you finally go to see Jesus and and people are reflecting on your life what do you want them to say what's your legacy uh you know so I've been thinking a good bit good bit about that because um, a lot of men you know kind of at some point in their life their their objective switches from success to significance mm. and what their legacy is for me I, I don't I don't need accolades but I do like the idea that Randy Alcorn gave in his book mm. which is there will be a group of people waiting for you in heaven mm. to thank you for the blessing you did for them. Yeah. So. Oh, amen. I think that's mine. I think I'm. A, I think I'm a. I'm gonna take that. But uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank, thank you. you for all that you do for our mm-hmm. church. It really is a gift and a blessing to have David and Debbie White serving our church in so many ways. And I hope it, that the uh, time that we spent on finances has been helpful to you, encouraging, convicting, but hopefully helpful in many practical ways. So we look forward to seeing you back next week on the podcast as we'll begin talking with my dad about some significant theology issues. Y'all have a great week.